and welcome to episode 87 of the Worldwide Chelsea podcast. We're back again, uh, the final episode before the new year, before 2022 arises, um, and I'm joined by another wonderful co-host, um, Jesters. How are you doing, my friend? You know, two, two and two. That's what we're talking about today, man. We're doing double duty. Love to see it. But yeah, I'm doing great. Looking forward to uh, some nostalgia. Definitely. I mean, if you if you catch if you've listened to the last episode, you'll know that we are re- recording these back to back because that's how committed we are. We've got a nice three hour block uh, spare, so we thought we'd spend it giving you guys some lovely content. And today, as as we kind of said, we're going to kind of go back into nostalgia. It's not going to be a typical review preview. We're going to be having a look at Chelsea in 2021 and going through the highs, the lows, because it has been a roller coaster of a season, as it always is as a Chelsea fan. But we'll see. Between me and Jesters, we'll kind of go through everything and just explain kind of how we felt at the time and has it changed now and just give you guys kind of a moment and a review of generally the whole year as it's been. Um, unfortunately, we do have to start off with the first game of 2021, which um, let's just say wasn't the best result ever. Um, we played Manchester City, uh, the eventual champions, and we lost 3-1, uh, which kind of nearly spelt, basically spelt the hammer blow to Lampard's season uh, as a Chelsea manager, but we'll go into that a little bit. But just as, unfortunately, I have to remind you of this terrible game, but how do you feel looking back at this game? Yeah, it was. Uh, it hadn't been pretty for quite some time in the lead up to that game, by the way. And uh, basically, just with the nail in the coffin, right? Um, we just we weren't a good team. We were good offensively, but shambolic defensively. And uh, you have to play defense to win things. That's the requirement, and we didn't do that. And, you know, it's bittersweet that, you know, it was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. Yes, I'm going to use a bunch of these because it's fun and because I can. Um, for, for Frank and him being the legend that he is with Chelsea Football Club, uh, yeah, it, it's not good when you have to sack a legend. But it was the right move. Uh, you know, even if we had not won eventually, you know, foreshadowing here, we won the Champions League. If if anybody's been living on a deserted island with under Tuchel when he came in. But, you know, you didn't know that at the time, right? It was, oh, we sacked another manager, which is Chelsea DNA. You don't perform, you're out the door, unless you're a player, in which case... Some of them hold on like cockroaches. Uh, but yeah, it hurt that, that it, Lampard got sacked, but it was the right decision. And that, like I said, it was just, we were just poor. Uh, we got found out halfway through the first half of the year, I think November. And January just all culminated in, okay, enough is enough. So, yeah, I don't look back at it fondly because you never want to see somebody lose their job. And when they're the club legend, even less so. So, 
Yeah, it's uh, wasn't pretty. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, obviously Lampard did have a few games coming up to that. He had the 4-0 win at Morecambe, then the dreadful 1-0 win at Fulham. And then I think the final result before it was eventually decided um, for him to be sacked was the 2-0 loss at Leicester. He did get the FA Cup at Luton, but I think that was just a more of a farewell game um, more than anything. But obviously it was a kind of tense moment. Um, the fan base, as it was, was hella divided. Um, a lot of people calling for people's heads. Um, a lot of people defending Lampard to the grave. Um Obviously, we know in hindsight it worked out with winning the Champions League, um, and now we're out of that kind of emotional side of it. Do you, do you think it was, in the end, a fair appointment? Not look even taking out the Champions League part. Um, do you think he was fair to get sacked? And what, what did you think overall of Lampard's reign? Yeah, I think that in time you're at a top club, and you're not meeting the owner's expectation or the board's expectation. Your days are numbered, um, and, and especially with the history at Chelsea on uh, on how we deal with these situations, it was always going to happen. Whether he's the club legend or not, he wasn't doing it as a manager. Um, but looking back at his at at his tenure. I have to say overall it's going to be positive because he he gave a lot of young, youth. Um, their introduction into the squad. Um, we got to an FA Cup final. We uh, got top four, which allowed us to be in in the Champions League. Um, he had to deal with, with Project Restart, which I thought he did well. So, you know, overall, he, he, he did a job. He just, I don't think he was ready for the challenge of Chelsea Football Club. I, I really just don't. And uh, I think that eventually, uh, once his players were brought in, um, I don't think they helped very much with performances. Um, you know, Kai wasn't really great. Um, Werner wasn't very, you know, he, he balled out in some games, but he, you know, Werner's very inconsistent. And then Ziesch was okay. Um, but it's, uh, it's a matter of, uh, you know, he didn't meet the expectations set down by the board and that means you got to go at Chelsea. So it is what it is. I, you know, I don't have any negative memories of, 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 of Lampard. I just think that he did the job he was asked to come in. And I think that Eventually, he was going to be gone anyway because I don't think that they wanted him in the position, this position, for very long. I think he was there to get everything back on track with the with the uh, transfer ban, um, and he was the right man for that because we used youth players, and we knew that these youth players knew about Frank Lampard, right? If you're in a Chelsea Academy player, you know who Frank Lampard is. So he was going to he was going to immediately get the best out of these youth players just because for the respect and admiration they had for him as a player as it being, you know, Frank the Tank. So uh yeah. 
Yeah, I, nothing but positives to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he, in terms of relative retrospect, because obviously it was a very tough situation he came into, a very unusual situation for managers. I think for what the job he was supposed to do, I do agree. I think he was looking in hindsight. I know everyone expected him to be this big, long manager because he's legend of the club. We all got into the emotion of it. But I think he was that kind of manager to get us from this tough situation into a good situation. I think... I know his era didn't end in a good way, but he did leave us in a good place um, for Tuchel to come in. He left us with a lot of good young players that have developed through Mount. Obviously, Tammy hasn't stayed in the end, but Tammy, you had Callum coming back through. You had Tamori coming in. You had a lot of players that Lampard brought in from nothing um, to come in. And people won't like this, but Lampard's... The, these some of these players did play pivotal roles in us winning the Champions League. So there is a part of that that is down to Lampard in, the, in terms of the early stages, the grassroots of it. Um, so obviously all the credit goes mainly to Tuchel because obviously he did go and did do the business at the end of the day. But we've got to give some sort of respect to Lampard in the way he just built us from nothing, losing our best player at the club for many years. Um not being able to sign anyone apart from Pulisic, who was coming in on a pre-contract. Um, so it, he did he did pretty well. Obviously for you, Jester's he got he's, he's the manager so far has got the best out of Christian Pulisic. So we can't complain too much about Lampard uh, at some aspects. But he did go, and obviously that was uh, very upsetting for a lot of people. Um, it the fan base had to had take some time to heal, but. Football's a game where games come quick, quick and fast, and Tuchel comes in straight away. Has the Wolves match where we drew 0 nil, the Burnley match where we win two nil. Not the best games, but you could tell there was something different about Tuchel, and you could tell suddenly we were defensively sound, and that showed going into what was a madness in February. We had. Obviously, the Tottenham match to start off with, which we won 1 0, and was a fantastic game to watch. We then went through some easier games of Sheffield United, Barnsley, Newcastle, and Southampton, but then got to a period of games which all of us Chelsea fans of the Lampard were dreading. Uh, you had the Atletico Madrid games, the Liverpool games, the United games, and even Everton were doing okay at the time. And despite all odds, um, no one was expecting us to get any points from that. Despite the utter madness of the results, we managed to go through Liverpool, Spurs, Atletico Madrid, United, unbeaten. Um, just as thinking back to that stage, obviously, particularly the Atletico Madrid games, because they were that was the, kind of the start of our Champions League running effect, um, especially with Olivier Giroud's goal. What did you think of Chelsea at that period of time? Yeah, it was a completely different team under Thomas Tuchel. Um, he uh, brought a, a whole different philosophy in. Um, he's a better coach. Let's get that out of the way right now. He's light years beyond what Lampard was. He is light years above most managers. He's very, very highly intelligent man. And... Um, He's been doing it for a very long time. 
and he, he's got the pedigree. I mean, he got the best out of a PSG squad that, you know, <laughs> there's probably a handful of players I would take off the team and the rest I would not even bother with just because of the attitude and the prima donnas that they have on that team. He got them to the final and pretty close to winning that final. Um, yeah. Look at where they are now. Yeah. They are uh, a shell of the team that they were, but they, they have, uh, you know, Mauricio, uh, I like the bottle thing, it's Pochettino at the, at the uh, helm, so enough said there. But uh, you could just tell there was something a little bit different, that the players were more confident in what they were being taught and the positions they were being put in and the way they were asked to play than under Lampard. And so, for me, that's what you want to see out of a manager. How fast can you implement your system? How fast can you get the players on board? And what can you do with it? And so he checked all those boxes right away, even though I, he, you know, I had some apprehension about him coming in. Um, you can pull up the old podcast. Um, you know, there were rumblings, uh, uh, around PSG with the, the R word being thrown around. And of course, you don't ever want that brain brought into the club you love. So I was apprehensive. I, I wanted Byron's manager, Julian Nagelsmann, uh, who I think is fantastic as well. But Tuchel was the right fit. That's why the people that make those decisions make more money than me, because they probably <laughs> know a little bit more than I know. So. You know, I'm I'm happy to be wrong about Thomas Tuchel. He's been brilliant. Um, the way he deals with players, the way he deals with the media. Um, and I, I just like watching him on the sidelines because, you know, you, you can watch him even in, in, yes, in yesterday's match when somebody did something wrong and he's just, you look at him, he's, he's ready just to go grab the head dude by the neck. It's like, what are you doing? I told you not to do that. I just I just love watching him on the sidelines. And uh, for me, uh, for me, it's going to hurt more when he eventually leaves than when Frank left. Because this dude is the real deal. And it's hard. It's easy to go from Frank to Tuchel. Well, who do you go from from Tuchel? Right? Where do you go from that dude? That's and, what I've been saying in the last few weeks when you get these idiots that say, oh, maybe we should change manager again. Yeah, and that's half our problem with the squad right now, that we have a lot of players that aren't, were meant for different formations or different philosophies under different managers, and they don't fit. It's like putting square pegs in round holes. It just doesn't work. So you have to give him a run of year of years of course he does have to produce but he still is like i said we've got the super cup you know we're we're moving forward and i know this that that goes into to uh the 22 season but we won the super cup in 21 uh we're in every competition this guy is the real deal if anybody needs a long-term deal at chelsea and for Roman Abramovich to stand by him, which I think he will because he actually likes Thomas Tuchel. He wanted 
Thomas Tuchel when he was at PSG. He wanted him, I think, before that. Yeah, um, I mean, 2017, he was very much linked. And I, I remember um, when when he was signing, he, apparently he was talking so much about all of, not just obviously the first team, but all of our youth players back in the day, the old the, the likes of Ruben, um, Dominic Solanke, all the p- players before um, in the Conte era. So obviously he, he knew so much about the club inside and out um, in the structure. So I think he's always been someone that we've kind of looked at and admired and wanted, but the paths never aligned. And then obviously Lampard goes and finally Tuchel was out of a job. It was easy to get and it's all happened. And I mean, like you, I wasn't a big fan of Tuchel. Let's just say that I was a bit annoyed that we were getting rid of Lampard for Tuchel and I've been eating humble pie ever since. I mean, I've always, I'm always someone. I like for someone to prove me wrong. That's why when I when I criticize a player, my hope is that this guy, whoever it, this person, whoever it is, can prove me wrong. I'm waiting for you to prove me wrong. Unfortunately, most of the time they don't end up proving me wrong. Ross Barkley being one of them. Um, but there you go. I mean, it's just. What I, I loved from Tuchel, I remember from his early press conferences, and it's kind of something that's resonated with the whole fans. Tuchel wanted to make Chelsea a team that was hard to beat. And bar these last few weeks where we've had the COVID issues, we've been absolutely terrible to face by certain teams. As we've seen throughout that last part of the uh, season, um, teams couldn't face us because they just, we, we didn't really concede many goals and we were just a, a well-oiled machine, which was a surprise because before we were not well-oiled at all. Um, and as you said, that the madness of games where we just got through games that we shouldn't have had. I mean, the Atletico Madrid game, the reliving that overhead kick, that's still probably one of the best goals. of. The, I, I'd probably still say it's goal of the season from that year. Would you agree? Say that one more time. I think I missed your point there. Um, the Olivier Giroud goal, the overhead kick, being one of the oh. goals of the year, 2021. Oh, absolutely so. I mean, for, I'm not big into those things, but for us, it was very, very important. So I don't care if it rates there as one of the top goals of the year. For Chelsea Football Club, it was one of the top goals of the year. And, uh, yeah, I... I, I really just, you know, he, he's a fantastic. It's one person I wish we still had in the club. was Olivier Giroud. Yeah, but, what what a great servant he was um, for yeah. us. I, I mean, God. Yeah, just, just the style. And, you know, again, when you've played that long, you know where to be. You can feel I need to be right here at this point in time. And that's what Giroud was very good at. And he scored in big games. Uh, I think he, he had four, was it four against Sevilla that year. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the guy is an absolute. He, he's great. He, he just, just is. That's one person I'd re- really like to have at the team right now. But Definitely. As, yeah, that Atletico Madrid, that goal was, was big time. It set... It set the tone. It set us on our run. So, yeah, fair play, Olivier Giroud. 
definitely. And I mean, going into the whole two, uh, the whole Atletico Madrid game, it was that game where Simeone was a person that Chelsea fans always talked. Talk, he was always an option for Chelsea fans. It was the fact that he was that big manager we were coming out against. We had Suarez that we were coming against. A lot of people were saying, oh, we're going to be afraid of Suarez. He's doing really well. Atletico Madrid are smashing the, uh, the Liga. But the way we just tactically outclassed Simeone and Simeone you could see was getting frustrated that's the point where Tuchel changed for me because like you I I, I actually funny enough went the United way I, I wanted Ralph Ragnick to come in on the short term move up to the board and then Nagelsmann come in um, so again shows how much we know uh, about bringing in managers because Tuchel come in and obviously he's won the Champions League and Ragnar's a second-rate club now, and Nagelman's sitting there in the in the Bundesliga feeder team. Um, but there you go. Um, that, that's how it is. But yeah, that that run of form was very good. And then we come up against Chelsea's kryptonite of the season, which I assume I don't have to say the say the team that I'm saying, but unfortunately we're gonna have to mention it. The dreaded 5-2 loss against West Brom. Um, now we're, again, out of that emotion of complete and utter anger. Um, what went wrong with Chelsea and West Brom? Because it seemed to, as I said, the best way I could describe it, it was our kryptonite that season, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I know it was in, after an international break. Uh, and we know how, of course, I've always been told this, Chelsea does terrible a game after the international break. And I think it was an early game as well after an international break. Yeah. <laughs> That's a double whammy right there. But, you know, you ha- you're going to have games like that where nothing goes right. Uh, when Thiago Silva looks absolute pants and you know he's not, it's just, a, for me, it's a one-off. Uh Maybe we took them too lightly. We took a foot, our foot off the pedal. But it's just, you know, a blip on the radar, as they say. I, I, and I don't want to think it's more any more any more than that because of what we did past that point t- towards the end of the season. Uh, but we're Chelsea. We have to make things difficult for ourselves. We have to sh- struggle against our nature to 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 make things hard you know if you if you win that game some of the games later on like the aston villa game at toward the end of the season doesn't mean anything because you got that three points in a bag so it, it's one of those things where yes we should have picked up those points it was a horrible result uh can i blame tuchel for for players absolutely forgetting how to play football for a game probably not it's more on the players and their and their mentality than, than it is the manager. Uh, I'm sure he didn't say, let's go out there and, and uh, lay an egg in this one, guys. I want a 5-2 thrashing. Uh, and so I'm going to set you up to four or 5-2 thrashing. I, you know, I don't think that was the game plan. So for me, that's more on the players not having their heads where they needed to be. They were, they were in an orifice that we shall not mention. And that's what happens when you play in the Premier League. Even if it's a relegation side if you go out there and uh your heads are so far up your butts you need a a see-through belly button so you can see where you're going you're going to get thrashed and we did 
yeah, I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean, there's no excuse for a, a club of Chelsea standards to lose to a club of West Brom standards. It was a Sam Allardyce football club. Let's, let's be real with this. It was Sam Allardyce and they managed to, to score five goals against us. As I said, Thiago Silva didn't exactly have a good time with West Brom. First game comes in, uh, does that horrible slip um, in the first game where we drew 3 all. That was bad enough. And then losing 5-2. I, I don't think I've ever been so angry with a game in my entire life. Um, it was a very poor match. Um, and it, it's crazy to think of all the small amount of goals Mendy's end up conceding. Eight of them were against West Brom. That That is... Uh, insane to hear but there you go I mean it was a uh, 12.30 kickoff it was a uh, just to start the national break and it wasn't something that we wanted uh, because we had obviously going into the next game which was the Porto game in the quarterfinal of the Champions League which Porto were that kind of almost that dark horse of everyone I think they had that good result against Man City in the group stages Um they kind of were like us. They looked tough to beat. Um, so it was an interesting match. And I, I'd argue that was probably out of all the matches leading up to the final. I think that was the one where we were probably tested the most. It was very much of a grinded out. We won 2-0. Uh, but that was very close kind of match. And then obviously we lost 1-0 in the return leg, but still managed to grind it out. Um, what did you make of them, Porto matches? And was that a sign of we were grinding out results, and that was the sign of champions. Well, first of all, nobody looks good against Porto. That's the way they play. Uh, just rename them Shithauser EFC and be done with it. Uh, and that's, but of course, when you're a little team going up against a big team, that's what you have, to, you have to do what you have to do to win. So I don't begrudge them the way they played. They did what they had to do to win. Uh, of course, they didn't. So. I guess they didn't do it good enough. Uh, so, yeah, we, you know, got the 2-0 first leg. Second leg kind of didn't play very well, a little down tools. You know, we just I, – it looked sometimes – I think that game we were probably just playing for a nil-nil because we had the 2-0 two, two uh, with the, uh, the road goals. So they were going to have to score at least two to draw with us. And the form we were in, sans the West Brom game, nobody was doing that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we get the uh, we get the defeat, but overall we win the tie. Boom, we're on to the next stage of the competition. So enough said. It's it wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, but a win is a win is a win is a win. Whether you you win five nil. Or one nil, still counts the same. It's a win, so they don't all have to be pretty as long as they get you where you need to go. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it, it was one of them ones. It was just we got we got you. They had to grind out the result. I think we always knew it weren't going to be a pretty game, um, and we were kind of worried because that was our problem was low blocks. There always has been low blocks, and we were. I think we were all a bit worried that that was going to be the team with typical Chelsea slip up against, but we managed to grind for it. 
and we were looking good. Um, but unfortunately, not just for Chelsea, but for the entirety of football, a huge roadblock and a huge 36 hours of pure emotion, fear, um, anger um, arised from everyone across the globe when world football was nearly destroyed um, with the European Super League. Um, obviously, I remember that was the, I think it was the Sunday night that they all announced it within the matter of hours. Um, and the, I, I remember football Twitter and just generally the world, just media just went absolutely crazy for the next 36 hours. Obviously, me and Jester's, we kind of obviously both being different parts of the globe, kind of experienced it very differently. Um, obviously, just as you're more of the online stuff, and you were, pro- I imagine you were checking up on it all the time. Um, whereas me, I was at, physically at the protest that I'd, I'd like to say that was the protest that stopped it. Um, obviously, it wasn't just that, but uh, there was wider forces in play. But um, what do you think, looking back at that 36 hours of madness? Um, do you think it was? <laughs> I don't want to ask, do you think it was something we shouldn't have been worried about? But um, did you think it was ever going to happen? Or did you think it was something that was always going to get overturned? Well, I still think it's going to happen at some point. It might not look the same as they proposed it, but I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to have to happen to save uh, football as a sport. Uh, you have, look, it's just it's a matter of, of money. And running these clubs becomes more and more expensive every year. Uh, and unfortunately, UEFA as an organization takes way too much money, t- takes too, way too much of the pie. And they just basically, the clubs live on scraps after that. Um, so, you know, you have the top earners in the Premier League are the ones who set the TV contract and the lesser teams, you know, they get the coattail, ride the coattails of those teams that uh, invest heavily, have have very good owners, uh, rich owners, and are able to do the things they're, a- you know, they're able to do. So I think the Super League will happen again. Um, and uh, Unfortunately, it's probably the only way that you could see some of these smaller clubs surviving, uh, especially when we if we have another uh, shut uh, lockdown again and there's no fans in the stadiums. A lot of those teams really depend on that revenue coming in from butts in the seat. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that you have to look forward and. Uh, of course, again, it might be something that happens in a different f- type of format, but you could already actually seeing uh, UEFA as an organization implementing some of those things from the Super League. Uh, and again, it's just about money right now. And it always has been and always will be. If you don't have the money to keep your doors open, you have to shut them. You don't have the money... Uh, to pay the players, you don't have any players. So, uh, 
it's not great because you of course you don't want uh that the old histories the old rivalries to go away in the premier league but uh and, and so i understand that i understand i'm not english i didn't grow up around these teams going to my local stadium every week to watch them play uh but i just think in a sense of overall um how are you going to keep all these teams afloat and i'm not talking about just in the premier league but in the secondary league below it you know how are you going to keep all those funding all those teams how are you going to keep funding uh smaller leagues in different different countries how are they going to survive so i i think that something needs to be looked at or some things need to be changed to uh, allow these teams to be able to to make profit, right? H- how much money do we owe Roman Abramovich? A lot. He put a lot of his own money into the club that's never been returned to him. So, he, luckily enough, we have an owner that's okay with that. Some people are like, now nah, I'm getting my piece before you're paying me back before you put any money in this club because I want to be paid back the investment I made. It's yeah, it was a sad thing to see. You know, obviously it didn't happen, but I think we'll see it again sometime in the future. Yeah, I think it it, it obviously it was a very um, emotional thing, and I think the way um, it was. Um, Give, it was written out. It was a terror. It was terribly written, terribly placed, um, and I think that was the probably the more the problem people had with it. I think if it was done in a bit more of a logistical and, if I would say, historical way, I think people. So I imagine people wouldn't have been wouldn't have been happy of it, but I think it would have might have had more legs to it and got with it i do agree with you on the point that it will come back uh whether it's two years five years even 10 years i i do think it's lots of big clubs like a big business people don't put their money where their mouth is unless they know it's going to happen um there was a lot of big big organizations jp morgan being one of them they don't they don't put their money in places where they think it's going to fail, they they put they only put their money where they know they're going to get success from. That's why they're these big companies. Um, so I do think it will come back. I do think it will be more of a compromised way where I think fans will grudgingly accept it. Uh, I've always come with the idea. I think in terms of teams in Europe, I think the continental teams in Europe need it a lot more than the teams in the Premier League. I think the Premier League is... I think you, you've got now every... I was saying to one of my friends, nearly every team has got a billionaire owner now. There's a lot of money in all of the clubs now. Um, it's not the days where it used to be United, Chelsea, Arsenal, and that's it. And then everyone else was very much poor owners, feeding off the scraps it's now a lot more rich owners coming into the leagues now the problem is is whether you've got a good rich owner or a poor rich owner is the question um but there is money in a lot of i think the problem is 
the only thing I have of it is if we did go to a Super League, while it stops up, the problem I have is will all the big money will still go to the Super League. And if there's no way of almost, because it was the idea that 20 clubs would be in it and then 20 clubs would stay in it forever, there would be no promotions, relegations out of it, which that's the bit I have the problem with. You, you, If you're just getting, if you're like Arsenal and you're getting thumped every week and just finishing bottom every time, you shouldn't stay in that league. You should be going back into your domestic league if you're going to have that as an option. Um, but my problem is, there's there's no all the te- all the money is just going to go into the super league and then all the domestic leagues anyone that's not in the super league there's not really going to be much tv fund into it there might be some sort of company like bbc or itv pick it up but sky i, I don't think sky would be interested in taking the premier league anymore because it's not it's not really the premier league if you have west ham and leicester fighting for a title it's not as it wouldn't be as exciting as watching Barcelona, Real Madrid every week, Chelsea, Barcelona, etc. Um, I personally would always be against it, um, just in the fact that I like the way it is, and my problem is I just see all the whole... It ha- When does it start going to neutral venues, um, playing games all over the world, which is good for the... Uh, for people like you, obviously, where you're international, you can't go to games. I mean, it makes it does make sense in terms of business standpoint to have the whole world. But then it will just I, I I don't like the idea of Stamford Bridge becoming just more nothing more than a relic. Um, and it's I I don't, I'm just never really been um a big fan of it. And I think it would I'd probably still watch Chelsea and be interested, but I don't think I'd be as interested as I would be now, I think I would probably <coughs> turn to other sports that I, I do watch as well and maybe take a bit more interest in them because they're a bit more of a feeling of home. Um, but ev- everyone's to their own. I think they, it will be a much more compromised thing. I assume it will be a thing where you can get promoted and relegated. Um, I don't know how it will work because... It will depend. It's, it's, it will be a very confusing system, but I'm sure the minds, the, the directors will figure out a way to do it. And I think UEFA may take it on um, as they are. I do think while we kind of poo-poo it as a big team, I do think the Conference League itself is a good way of bringing more money and more competition to some of the smaller teams. It makes the Europa League look a little bit better and does bring them smaller European nations. More of their clubs can play in Europe and play more competitively and have a chance to go on and win something. So I think that I actually don't think is a bad idea uh, from UEFA, but there's other stuff that just makes UEFA just as bad as the European Super League. So there you go. But I mean, it was one of them games where the, uh, one of the things where the protest did occur on the Tuesday when we were supposed to play Brighton, we did end up blocking the bus, delaying the game um, for a period of half an hour. The Super League then got cancelled and then we played the game. 
it was I think it was a nil nil draw, wasn't it, against Brighton? If I'm right. Yeah, I believe so, and I think I blame the people who blocked the bus for the draw. I I, I apologise for that. Uh, I I mean, if we didn't get top four, I'd take full responsibility for that. But I, I'd argue it was for a relatively good course. But uh, we'll we'll go into that like uh, another time. But um, obviously that resulted into I will save the Manchester City games to last uh, to the end of the season because obviously we got we'll discuss all three of them in one. Um, so we come kind of come to what was the FA Cup final uh, in the end. Obviously, we'll speak about the semi-final before, but it was a dismal uh, FA Cup final, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, You know, uh, we didn't have much threat offensively, and it was a a Telemann's long strike that was not saved. And to to this day... We still have this debate whether if that was Mindy and goal, he gets to the ball or not. I don't like doing that because you're asking, it's a hypothetical situation. We don't know. And that's what I will always say about it. We don't know if Mindy gets to the ball because he wasn't playing. And there's certainly no way to know if he would have. Um, yeah, it was disappointing. Um but again, foreshadowing. If I might, if you told me, well, you can win the FA Cup or the Champions League. Which one do you want? I don't. Anybody. I don't think anybody's saying the FA Cup. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? I love the FA Cup. Uh, always, always want to win it. You, the English trophy, of course. No, I'm joking. Of course, I want to win the Champions League. <laughs> so, Richard, yeah, for me, it was. Yeah, we probably should have won it, but, you know, we, we kind of uh, got our just rewards, uh, of course, in the uh, Champions League final. So, I, you know, I would trade the FA Cup for the Champions League every day of the week. We're not Arsenal. We don't prize that above the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Champions League is obviously much more of a priority um over the FA Cup but it was disappointing nonetheless especially since we we had that result against Arsenal last year and it was we all kind of looked at it as a oh let's redeem ourselves from last year um and then we end up losing it um I don't know would would you say the Arsenal one was worse or this one because obviously the Arsenal one we had the controversies of Anthony Taylor and we were all kind of like oh, if we got decisions out of where we probably would have won the competition. Um, but this one, it was kind of one of the ones where we probably did. I know we had the Chilwell goal. It was very marginally offside. But um, in the end, it was just offside. So it was very unfortunate at the time. But we did deserve to lose it in the end. Um, so which one would you say is worse to watch, the Arsenal or the Leicester one? The Arsenal one, because we lost Christian Pulisic in that game as well. And had we not lost him in that game, we would have won, irregardless of Anthony Taylor. Because if I know everybody has a very short memory, but uh, Christian Pulisic opens scoring 1-0. And I want to say that Aubameyang equalizes and it's 
And then in the second half, Christian's chasing a ball, has the ball at his feet, running. He's already got past his defender. He's going to be one on one the keeper, and he does his hamstring and his calf. Still tries to continue to go on and try to shoot and score, but um, once he went out of the game, our only attacking threat, you know, we were pretty much done for. And then Kovacic gets his second yellow, gets sent off, done and dusted. So, yeah, for me, because we had no other trophy that year, the Arsenal one is worse. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I... I suppose it's kind of because it's the one where we we got top four. We were on a high um, from getting that top four, and it was more of a one we we, we should have won, but anti Taylor and other forces at hand stopped us from doing. I remember I was in Belgium at the time as well, so I was trying to keep calm because I didn't want to uh, annoy the in the uh, future in laws. Um, by shouting and screaming so I was trying to be as calm as I could and I had to take a little walk after because I was fuming um but yeah it's it, it's one it's one of the ones I mean the Leicester one I think they played very well on the day um and we deserve to lose it so I suppose it makes it less bad in in that sense um but yeah I mean the Chilwell goal was well the disallowed goal was quite good in the end I thought it was one of the ones you thought he scored against his old club it's almost like destiny and then it was taken away from us like that. Did you celebrate it a lot? Because obviously it was one of the ones it didn't look like offside to me. And then they pulled it back and I was just hands in my head moment. Yeah, because, you know, I haven't celebrated a much that's borderline this year. Because, of course, v, you had to wait for VAR, which, you know, really can't stand. Uh, and, you know... You think you you have a goal, and the goal goes away. So it's like, oh, great, from high to low, and then we lose by a goal. You're like, you know what? You just have to give somebody the finger and walk away at that point. That's what I that's what I felt like. You know, just giving give somebody the double finger, because that's that's what it kind of felt like. And of course, we had the idiot on Marte throw throw our banner afterwards oh that that pissed me off of course so. we did get revenge later and and uh, smoked him in the league that's true i believe that's correct so um yeah i you know fair play lester that's probably the only trophy you're gonna win for the next five years good job that, yeah yeah i mean they're not gonna win the carabao cup at least uh, they bottled that. I, I, I wish that. I wish they could. I wish that the one time that Leicester wouldn't be a bottle club, and it was against us. Because honestly, the way they bottled that match last night against Liverpool, I know they should. Liverpool should have had a send it off because that challenge was terrible. But still, how can you bottle a two 0 lead and then bottle a three one lead and then lose on penalties like that? I was just like, oh my god, it frustrates me. When you have your starting goalkeeper in there, and they have their backup goalkeeper, yeah, that's. Um, uh, I like Michael, but Michael didn't look like he was going to save hardly any of them. No, um, but the, there were some poor penalties in there. But uh, I think we're going too, in, in the wrong year. Uh, well, I guess it is this year, but um, yeah, for me, the the Leicester 
uh, FA Cup loss is is easier for me to take than the Arsenal FA Cup loss. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll kind of move on. Well, it's, uh, the next topic isn't really positive either. I mean, we, it ended up well in the end, but only because Tottenham did a job for us, which is horrible to say. I hate saying it every time we talk about it, but that end of the season went a bit pear-shaped. We nearly dropped out of top four, didn't we? Obviously, we won the Champions League. I'm, I'm still going to mention that because I, I love to mention it every time. But at that point, we could have dropped out of top four. Um, we had some poor runner games. The Arsenal game was the one that particularly annoyed me. Um, looking back in hindsight, obviously, we won the Champions Leagues and we end up getting top four anyway. So it didn't really matter. But how worried was you in that last part of the season? Yeah, I, it's always worrying. You want to at least get top four because that is, ensures that you're in Champions League. And if you're in the Champions League, there's more than likely you're going to get your top targets. So it's, it's kind of a domino effect in that instance. I was actually on, on a Twitter space with an Arsenal fan talking about uh, about just that. And, and until they get in top four and secure Champions League berth, they're not going to get that top target they need to take them to the next level because they don't go to teams that are not in the Champions League. Uh, so I was very disillusioned the way we played. Uh, and we can come to the Aston Villa game where Aspie gets sent off, and I told I said that he needed to be stripped of his captaincy because as a captain, we're behind. The last thing you need to do is get sent off. Even though you really didn't hit Jack Grealish in the face, it doesn't matter. You don't do that kind of thing when you're the captain of the football club. You're supposed to be the guy that tells people, keep your head, and you lost yours. And, you know, once you go down 10 men, you're not going to win that game. So, yeah, it was, it was not good. And the run of form we had in the league kind of gave you doubts for what we would do in the Champions League. Because how can you play so good in one competition and be so crap in this one? In, yep. in that moment, right? And, uh, you know, luckily, Tottenham did a job for us. I always thought they would, because uh, I thought that would be Harry Kane's last, last game, and he'd want to go out with, it, with a win. Because we all expected him to be... Uh, at United or City or Chelsea come the summer. And, uh, you know, we got top four, but that didn't matter because we won the Champions League anyway. So, uh, yeah. all that, that's uh, a moot point. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it turned out to be okay in the end. Um, but it would it would have been funny because if, if we did lose out of top four and then win the Champions League, it would have been again, for both times we would have won the Champions League, we would have been out of top four in that uh, season in the league but I've just clocked on I knew at some point I'd muddle up the season and forget something and of course I forgot the Real Madrid semi-final of the Champions League which for you is a very good point to discuss because obviously there was a very good Christian Pulisic goal um, so yeah um, this was obviously in the round the time of the European Super League as well so Perez was enemy number one um, and Apart from the Benzema goal that end up drawing the first leg, we outclassed Real Madrid, didn't we? Yeah, and 
uh, surprise, surprise, surprise to all those who hate Christian Pulisic, pulls out a wonder goal. Um, he does the thing that, that Christian does. In big games, he scores big goals. And none bigger than what he did at Real Madrid. Uh, takes the ball down in the box, beats the entire defense, and and the snake, you know. Oh, the snake. Oh, don't, oh he, uh, that guy frustrates me every time someone mentions he, his name. He waves off Timo Werner like, I'm, there's no way in hell I'm passing you this ball, and puts it in the back of the net. Um, again, beautiful goal, beautiful team effort. Uh, Benzema's Benzema. If you give him half a chance, he's going to put the ball in the back of the net. To um, be fair, he, I remember the goal was pretty good, to be fair. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a golazzo. And, but that's what Benzema does. You give him half a chance, he's... He's going to put in the back of the net. And, uh, but we, we, we were already uh, ahead of the game, because, ahead of the curve, because we had the away goal. So, um, you know, we come back to Chelsea, and we do them. We put them away. You know, Eden Hazard's return to Stamford Bridge, and he goes out a loser. And my guy involved in the final goal of the game anyway. So, you know, Real Madrid was good for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean Christian Pulisic likes to play at Real Madrid every week. Yeah, well, he might if he goes to Barcelona, right? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that to happen, but there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. I, 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 Courtois, I, I, I don't think there's anyone that I've wanted to punch in the face so hard before. In my life, but I think Chris, but I think Timo Courtois is one of them, and that's saying something because obviously me with the belt, the the Belgium heritage, I, I should love him, but I can't, I can't stand him. It's only the fact that second in command is Simon Mignolet, who is the goddamn worst keeper ever. That you just, uh, you have to have been team unfortunately for Belgium. But there you go. Um, it was lovely to see the Christian Pulisic. I, 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 from that moment, I thought we're winning the Champions League because it was Torres-esque going round the goalkeeper. Um, I thought there's two, there were so many similarities in that um, year, and that was the one for me. I was like, yeah, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. Um, and then the second game uh, was fantastic again for Chelsea, just outclassed Real Madrid in all senses of the word. I mean, Spanish teams, we. We did really well, generally, that whole year. I mean, we beat Atletico Madrid both times, beat Sevilla both times, um, beat Real Madrid. I think we scored, like, I think it was 14 goals combined against all of the teams. Um, so I think we did we did, we did, did a proper good job on the Liga, at least, um, throughout that season. Um, and it was a fantastic game to run us towards a uh, Champions League final, an all-English Champions League final. Which, just to remind everyone again, in case you've been living under a rock on some deserted island somewhere for the whole year, we won the Champions League two times. Two-time champions of, the, of Europe. Um, well, we, we've, we've kind of uh, spoke about it a little bit, but we'll go into a bit more details of it um, and the other games. We were talking in the last podcast about uh, how hard it is to play Three, t- uh, three games against the same team in a very small period of time. 
Um, it's hard enough playing it against Conte. Now imagine playing that against Pep Guardiola. Um, Jesters, let's 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 go into this in a bit more detail. How, how did we break down Pep Guardiola three times? Well, we not only broke him down three times. We broke we broke him down three times with him playing three different formations. <laughs> you know, so it was you know we faced him the first time. I want to say it was in the league. Was it FA? Was it, was it, was it the, the FA, FA Cup? It was, it was the it was FA, FA Cup, Cup first. first. Okay, it was the FA Cup first, and I want to say they played a single. It wasn't a double pivot. It was a single pivot. Yeah, single. Um, yeah, we put them out. Um, sometimes you ever heard, I don't know if you watch much boxing, but they say styles make fights. Yeah. And so our style just, uh, it really is built to, you know, we, all the elements of it, you know, I wouldn't say it's built specifically to beat City, but it's the the formation that will give City the most problems. And if you have N'Golo Conte in your team, and he's playing N'Golo Conte football, it's just like, okay, you, might, you just might want to forfeit because you're not beating us. Um, and we did. We had uh, N'Golo, uh, and I can't Look, forgive me if I don't get all the lineups correct. Maybe he didn't play in that FA Cup, but I want to say he start, he played in every game match we played against uh, Man City. That in the yeah, tournament. I'm pretty sure he did. So, um, and we beat him in the FA Cup, and then the league. Everybody's like, "Oh, you can't you can't beat him. You're not gonna beat him twice in a row." And I think this time he played a double pivot. Yeah, he played a double pivot to try and counteract us because uh, I think I remember it was it was um Ziyech wasn't it that um played in the FA Cup but he, he just turned Fernandinho inside out um probably one of the best games I've seen from Ziyech apart from that first game of the season that he covered and done really well um and yeah Fernandinho could handle him so Pep obviously decided two men and just didn't work out did it no it didn't and again, when we have all our players playing to form, there's not a whole lot of teams that can beat us on a consistent basis. Uh, if you look at our lineup, even from uh, last season, w- without Romelu on the team, with Kai Havertz, with Werner in, in, the, in, in the attack, there's not a whole lot of teams that can break us down because you have Thiago Silva, you have Antonio Rudiger, you have Andreas Christensen, you have Reese James, you have Ben Chilwell, you have Jorginho, Conte or Kovacic, or Kovacic and, and Conte, and and not Jorginho. Either, and then you in the front attack, you have you mix it up. You have Werner, you have Havertz, you have Ziyech, you have Christian Pulisic. I don't think Callum got much run at forward during that period of time at all. I think he played wing back, if memory serves. Um, and of course you have Mount. Shouldn't leave Mount off or, 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 or Johnny might uh, cuss me into next week. Um, so like you those, have those players. It, it's uh, very, very hard to beat that team with that, with those players and they're being coached right and they're all playing together and they're all on form 
very difficult team to beat. And uh, so Tuchel does it again and beats Pep twice in a row. Yeah, I mean, that one was a bit more fortunate for us, really, because we had that horrible end of the first half. We had the Sterling goal, and then we had the Aguero penalty literally a minute later. And then Aguero takes the worst penalty I've ever seen. It's still be, it's still the only penalty Mendy has saved in his Chelsea career. And my God, I think me and you could have saved that penalty, remembering how bad it was. Um, and then we got we got back in the second half, obviously, with Ziyech scored in the 63rd minute. And then Alonso, I think this is the only time we've ever cheered. I've never cheered Alonso's name so much with him scoring in the 92nd minute to, to snatch the win. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, that, that was, uh, it was a bit of a squeaky bum time, but we've still managed to fight back and get Pep, even though we went into adversary with the horrible end of the half. Yeah, it's, uh, look, it shows character that you're able to overcome. I think if Aguero scores that goal, maybe we have a different story on our hands, but him trying the Penanque and, and not, and just, I'm trying, trying hard to find words to how bad that penalty was. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I did, I'm, I got, it's hard to find the words for how bad it was. And I think that gave us a lift because we weren't two nil down. We were only one nil down. One nil down, you can, you can win. You only need two goals. At two nil down, you need three, and getting three and one half against City doesn't happen very often. But you can get two. Yeah, and that's two, exactly two is hard enough. Yeah, two is hard enough, and it took us ninety-two minutes to do it. Uh, but you know, you get the win, and you move forward, and that's what we did. And it showed that there was something different in this team with Tuchel, because I don't. Of course, memory is what memory is. I don't remember very many wins under Lampard that season that we came in, came from behind and won. We were down at halftime and came back and won. I mean, yeah, I mean, the only one I can think of that we majorly came back, and it wasn't even a win, it was a draw in the end, was the West Brom where we were free nil down at halftime and then right. turned it to 3-3, three, three, which is, I mean, it's West Brom, so... That's much more. I mean, three goals is hard to overturn anyway, as we said, but obviously it's a bit easier with West Brom. Um, but yeah, we, 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 we normally we would capitulate at that point. So it was good that we didn't capitulate. And I think that gave us the momentum into the Champions League final, if I'm honest, to do a Pep team like that. I think Pep was, that really messed with Pep's head because he tried the one, he tried the two. Ultimately, none of them paid off. And then it got to the Champions League final and Pep went all out crazy, didn't he? Yeah, he went full attacking. <laughs> he went full he, he went full potato, right? You never go full potato and he went full potato. There's another word that's used in the movie, but we won't say that because people get offended. Oh, yes. Um, but I'm going to say it anyway. He went full retard, okay? And you're not supposed to go full retard. He played zero defensive midfielders in the Champions League final. Uh, I say that. I think uh, 
Gundogan was supposed to be. Yeah, but Gundogan isn't a defensive midfielder. It's like, <laughs> so, that's like that's like asking Mason Mount to go play defensive midfield. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, it was really in his head, and of course, it didn't work out very well for him in the end, did it? No, and I mean, funny enough, that was where the goal ended up coming from. Mason Mount got the ball in that deep position, fed it into Havertz, and then it was end of story. Havertz scored, um, which I still remember back to this day. We was on the watch along. I was waiting for my KFC, and Sadiq said to me, go on, go on, go, go call him up, because you want to have it before the second half starts. And I was like, well, no, I'm not going to call in the game, because knowing me, I'll go out and call and... I even said someone like Kai Havertz will come on and score. Will come and score. And then 30 seconds later, we went on the score. I go crazy um, and then eat my KFC at half time because it came anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, going into the whole pet thing, um, one of my mates who's uh, family friends uh, as a Man City fan, um, and he always says that the only bad thing with Pep is sometimes he overthinks it. Um, and when they do, they always lose out. He, he rem- I remember he was saying about the they get the year before when they lost to Leon. Um, I think it was in the quarterfinals. Um, he said Pep overfought the match then, and they lost out. And he said uh, he said as soon as he saw the lineup, he was like he's over he's he's overthinking it again. And it was. I mean, the fact that Tuchel. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna swear. So this is definitely if if this was monetized, it wouldn't be monetized anymore. Tuchel did a mind fuck on Pep. He fucked up Pep's mind uh, completely, got him thinking crazy shit, and he decided to think Gundogan was a good defensive midfielder, which uh, I think now we can relish that as. I mean, it wasn't the only point uh, why Man City were not good because they had lots of attackers and they couldn't score because. Uh, as we can remember, there was a lot of good blocks in that game from a lot of our defenders, wasn't there? Yeah, they played out of their minds. Of course, when you have N'Golo Kante on the pitch, he he bossed the game. And we had, you know, we, we talk about Rudiger's shithousery, but we probably had the pinnacle, the ultimate shithousery on KDB. <laughs> and Oh, God, yeah. That was, you know, it's, you don't want somebody to get injured, but him being a Chelsea player or academy guy and him always coming back and kicking our, our butts when he plays against us, he always scores against us, right? It seems that yep. way. He either scores or completely runs the game and destroys yeah. us. And for Rudiger to... Just stand there and stand his ground and put one on him. I thought that I would, I'll run that moment back in my mind over and over again, which is okay, I got you, Rudy. That is, uh, that's why he, I mean, we all know he's going this summer, and unless a miracle happens, well, but, unless Chelsea suddenly pull out a new wallet. With a lot of cash in. Yeah, I just think that that's forever cements him in Chelsea lore. 
It's some that's because he also had a block key block sliding block, I believe. Yeah, as well. Um, and of course, Ingolo running the midfield, and and the build up to the goal with Havertz. Mendy plays the ball out to Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell then, you know, out of the air, one, you know, one touch to mount, mount through. Havertz goes around the goalkeeper. Boom, goal. It's like as as easy of of a goal as it looks like. People don't understand how difficult that was. That Chilwell it, ball, that Chilwell pass is so difficult to do first time. Oh yeah, and he doesn't get credit for it. No, I, uh, I remember. I remember still people on our very streams were still at that point calling him mid and saying Tierney's better. Yeah, I mean, it, he takes the touch out of the, you know, Mindy's distribution out of the back, Chilwell's one touch out of the midair, into Mason's feet. Mason, I think, turns Gundogan. Yeah. Because he's playing too far up the pitch at that point. And half, I always call him the half-term prince, Mason out. <laughs> Harry Potter reference, very good. <laughs> you know, Werner makes the run to pull Diaz away, and, you know, I want to say it's who's on the left that's supposed to cover him. Was it Cancelo? Or was it? Uh, I think Cancelo was on the right, so it might have been Zinchenko. And Zinchenko's never catching Kai Havertz. That's not going to happen. And then it's just, you know, around the keeper, boom, in the goal. But it was a, as easy as it looked to everybody, as quickly as we broke them down, it was because we had play f- from the keeper to the left wing back to, I don't know, number 10, we'll call him, in the Kai Havertz, boom, it's a goal. Everybody did their job. Everybody, it was a play that was done to perfection. And, of course, we had another breakaway toward the end of the game, just a minute, and I think some fingertips from Ederson kept Pulisic's ball from going in. Um, but again, it was the same type of play that got him free. So it's not like it was a one nil game. It should have been a two or three nil game. Because Verda, also... Verda had that chance before yeah. the Havertz goal that I remember I was shouting and screaming, oh, if, if, if we lose this match because of this, I swear Verda's done, blah, blah, blah. But luckily, uh, that wasn't the case. So it really wasn't as close as we thought. Of course, they did have their chances as well, and our defense stood up. And uh, you know, and we lost Thiago Silva in that game. Exactly. I mean, how could you imagine Man City? Obviously, Ruben Diaz didn't turn up in any of the three games that we played. But imagine Ruben Diaz being out for Man City. They would that would have been much of a bigger blow than uh, Thiago Silva. And then what happened with Thiago Silva? The fact that we lost Thiago Silva like that, and we still managed to—I mean, was it Christensen that came on for that? It was Christensen because I and think we started Reese James at center back, didn't we? Yes, because we had—we were having that issue of we wanted a faster wing back, uh, a faster right center back than Aspi, so we were playing Reese at uh, wing uh, center right center back and Aspi at wing back, um, which didn't always work. But there you go. Um, it worked out in that respect. Um, but yeah, I remember Christensen come on and he was fantastic, wasn't he? Coming back on. 
And that's why yeah. I, I, re- I can respect someone, especially a defender, coming on out of the cold like that. It's, it's much easier for an attacker to do it. But a defender, uh, to come on and just be pitch perfect like that, uh, I've always given respect for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there was no drop-off. No drop-off at all between Thiago Silva, one of the greatest centre-backs to ever play this game, and Andreas Christensen. There was no drop-off when he came on. So, I, you know, I have nothing but praise for, for AC in that moment. It's very difficult to do because if we lose that game, everybody's going to be saying, oh, well, if we hadn't lost Thiago Silva, we would have won. You know exactly what would have been said. Um, but he, he, he didn't put a foot wrong. And that kind of kick-started him through the Euros and everything else beginning of this year, of uh, this season in 21. Because, you know, un- until lately where he's been injured or contract dispute or whatever you want to say, it just looks like he, he you know, okay, we kick on from last year from that Champions League game. He looked the same until recent, uh, till lately uh, hasn't been as as good. But um, you know, hopefully when he comes back and he's back in training, he will get back to that level because we could always use uh, Tiago Silva to get some. You know, we can always use him to get. Or we need AC so we can give Tiago Silva some rest. Is what I was trying to articulate. Not very well. We need that toward the end of this current season. And I think all that, his form kicked on from coming in that Champions League game. And, you know, the biggest moment of his career, and he did it flawlessly. Gives huge confidence to a player to do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it was fantastic for him. And I, will get, I, I continue to give him huge respects for that because it's hard. So, as I said, it's so hard to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a very good night um, in, in all aspects. Um, but it wasn't the only trophy that we won in um, 2021. It wasn't the only final we had because we were almost straight back into it um, with the Super Cup um, at the start of the new season. Um, Villarreal beat Manchester United uh, in the Europa League to stop an all English Super Cup. Um, and well, it was it wasn't the easiest matches in the world. I don't think we played the best either. Um, but the super Kepa Ariza Balaga saved us some penalties. Um, take us back for that game, Jesters. Yeah, it's you know those those Spanish teams are going to sit in and make you break them, break them down. They're not going to give you anything. I believe it was 1-1, one, one, and we went to penalties. Um, can't remember. Was it Ziyech who scored? Yeah, because uh, I remember it was Ziyech. It came, he, I think he scored, and then he came off for the shoulder injury, which kind of messed up our whole attack. Because Ziyech was, I remember in that, um, the preseason, uh, obviously, you had Trevor Shalaba and Broha, whichever one was talking about. But Ziyech was absolute fire in that um, first part of the season, uh, the preseason. So it was it was one of them things that was so frustrating for all of us to have Ziyech go out um, like that. 
Um, yeah, it was Ziyech and then um, Gerard Moreno scored in the 73rd yeah. minute. Yeah, um, again, uh, very good tactical game plan from Tuchel. Um, even saved the last sub so we could bring Keppa on for pens. Brilliant move. Uh, and he goes on to save the penalties, and we put ours away. I, I think somebody missed. Uh, so you had Havertz missed the first. Yes, because Havertz missed the very first penalty. Yeah. Um, Havertz, I think, went right in the Senzio, guessed the right way. Then Moreno stepped up, scored. Asby stepped up, scored. Um, then uh, Kepa saved Mandy's uh, penalty for Villarreal. Uh, Alonso stepped up and scored. Um, and then Villarreal stepped up and scored again. Mount stepped up, scored. Gomez stepped up and scored. Jorginho stepped up, scored. Uh, Rabba stepped up and scored. Went to sudden death. Pusik scored. Uh, I remember that was a really good penalty. Sent him the wrong way with kind of the short run up. Um, we all thought Juan uh, Foyth, the Tottenham player, would miss. But um, I remember Kepa went a bit early and he uh, yeah messed, uh, messed up there. Rudy was scored for us and then it was Albiol, the former Liverpool man. Went bottom left, and it was a great. It, it was. It wasn't even like it was a bad penalty. It was a fantastic save from Kepa, um, and the fact that he was that super sub that came on um, to save it. I mean, I remember when he came, when we came on, I was like, "What are we doing?" Like, obviously, I knew Kepa was okay at penalties, but I was like, "If this goes wrong, we're all going crazy because we haven't won the Super Cup in a long while." Um, we had the Going back into the years, the Falcao absolute disruption uh, from us. You had um, the Liverpool result, which was frustrating to see as well. Um, so I think to lose that would have annoyed everyone going into the season. But it was fantastic from Kepa. Um, and a nice little trophy to start us off, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's an actual trophy. It's not a, a dinner plate. Arsenal. Yes. It's actually um, a quite nice trophy as well. Yeah, I mean, it means you you beat the other team that won in Europe. That's no that's no small feat, right? We've been on the Europa winner side of that that competition. Um, so if you're going to start off the season, yeah, you started off with a trophy, one down, five more to go. So uh, it's a way to start off the season. Um, of course, that was the, that was the, the uh, summer of Holland. Oh God, Holland, uh, Holland! Yeah, as we all remember, uh, and that we also had strong links with Chuameni and Kunde. I uh, would would have liked to see both of those come in in the summertime. Um, I think we'd have been in a lot stronger position now. With a Chuameni and uh, a Jules Kounde in the side, because you would have that rotation at wing back. You could put Kounde at wing back if you wanted to to give to rest James. Um, and I suppose with 
James, I know he, he can't. I know, again, it's the problem of natural left footer. But you could have you could have completely nullified the whole Alonso thing where you could have put Kunde on the right wing back and James on the left wing back. And then maybe with this Chilwell thing, we wouldn't be doing as bad as it is watching Alonso. Yeah, that's, that's also I didn't think about that, but absolutely. Although I think if Kunde came in, we wouldn't have kept Chalaba. That is true. So it's kind of bitter, you know. Uh, Bittersweet. Bittersweet because we, you know, Kunde would have done a lot for us, but we discovered Chalaba and, and you know, he's he he's, has he, got he, a permanent space in the, in the in the first team now. He's been flying. He, he, I, I, I'm surprised. Well, I mean, we're going off a little bit off topic, but how how fantastic he's been this season. I did like we always. We, I remember me, you, and Marv. We we were talking about it at the beginning of the season, um, and we were saying that yeah, he's doing well. Um, but I mean, I have had my reservations because I've seen how he was at Ipswich, and that was always my memory of him. And he was calamitous at the best of times there. Um, so I always I put that to one side. I was like, we'll see how he goes because obviously, for a young player, you're eventually going to get found out. But even now, like in the time when you haven't got your senior players, you've not got Rudiger at times, you've not got Silver at times, especially in the Brentford game, he's at the middle of the centre backs. Um, he's really the leader um, out of them because you've got a 17-year-old one side and then you've got Malang Sar who's useless the other side. And he doesn't, he doesn't step, he doesn't drop his performances. He keeps his performances up. Always find, again, with Christensen, as good as Christensen can be, sometimes when he hasn't got a Rudiger and a Silver around him, he doesn't, he, he's not always at that same level. And the fact that Chalaber is younger and that he has he has that ability to keep that maintain that level. That's what I really like about him. That's where I feel like again he's gonna. I feel like he's gonna be more of a mainstay. And no one but I, I don't care who you are. No one was predicting that Chalaba would be in the squad. Um, but it's a love, nice little gem. It's always nice to get these little gems. Um, we always have a little go, a bit of a go at the common common Easter's because it's always common this common that common this common that. Um, but at the moment. We, we, it's nice to find these little gems and uh, it's nice to use Cobham wisely rather than picking out every single little player from there. Um, but there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a, it was a blessing in disguise. I still would have liked Shumeni. I mean, Sal, it's, it's, it's one of the things I was discussing with Sadiq the other day. Um, it could have gone either way. If, if, if Sal come in and worked out to be a success, then it would have been a brilliant steal from Chelsea to get him on loan and for him to have the impact that he w- might have done. But unfortunately, it just hasn't gone the right way. And at the end of the day, it's not so bad because you can just send him back and you haven't paid anything for, or haven't paid much for him um, in terms of a transfer fee. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but obviously for the season, hopefully it doesn't uh, mean we lose out on specific trophies. But there you go. Um Going kind of into the first part of the season, we started off with a fly as a flyer, didn't we? Crystal Palace three nil. Um, obviously, Christian Pulisic getting his goal uh, as well in that, among uh, others, um, and Chalaber as well. Um, what did you think of our start to the season? Obviously, we had Crystal Palace three nil, Arsenal, which I, I, I say Arsenal nil, Lukaku two because Lukaku was the man of that match. Sent Pablo Mari into retirement, basically. Um, what did you think of our opening start? 
Yeah, I think that uh, um, we started great. Of course, we, we came off the Super Cup victory, which helps, you know, gives yourself, gives you some confidence. Um, we start with Crystal Palace. Of course, Rom's not in the team yet because of uh, he has to isolate before he can come in. And I think it was, was it Havertz, Mount, and Pulisic who started that game? Yes, I believe if so. Serves. Yeah, Christian scores, and then we don't see him again for two months, two and a half months, because that's the last game he played, uh, which kind of is foreshadowing <laughs> what's going on right now with the COVID and the injuries, of course, because he had COVID first and then injuries. Um, so it's kind of uh, what we're doing with exactly right now in one player. And I think that's unfortunate because he started off very well, scored a good good goal. Yes, it was off a rebound, but he was in the right place at the right time doing the right things. So... He goes out, and then we kind of, after the Arsenal game, we play well, but things aren't clicking offensively, and I think that's because we have players from so many different systems, right? We don't have players that were brought in that suit Tuchel and how Tuchel wants to play. Um I, you know, of course, Werner does not fit what he wants to do. I I don't think Ziyech fits what he wants to do. Mount really doesn't. He's more of an eight than a than a ten or, or forward. He is playing well there, but it's not his ideal position. Um, so we, we, we kind of, yeah, if we were getting results, we were playing well, but that was more because nobody could score against us, right? Except for when we go down to 10 men at Liverpool or when we have a deflected goal from Man City. Um, we were just just bullying teams. But it wasn't, the offensive flow wasn't there. And I think that um, that's because, one, Rom didn't have a, a, an offseason with his team to build chemistry. Two injuries, where you have to chop and change your starting lineup. Three, chopping and changing the starting lineup to where nobody can build any chemistry because it's this person in this. That, you know, we, I think we've, I think we've uh, played fifty different combinations, starting combinations this year, or something like that. Yeah, I think it's something like forty-eight. But I imagine, I think that was a couple of weeks ago. So I imagine with the pole Pulisic upfront thing that's probably turned into 15 hours especially with the young players coming in yeah so it's, it's kind of wild um but yet we've lost two games all year i think we've went tr- drawn five maybe six and uh you know if we win this weekend liverpool don't play which means we get we we tie for second if we win. Yes, they'll have a game in hand, 
but you don't know when that game is going to land and what's going to be going on around that game. Let's hope it's right in the right in the middle of Afcon. And it's and it's also the pressure of um, having to play that game. Um, and you 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 you. It's always better to have the points than to have to gain the points. So it'll it'll be the pressure be on for that but um yeah it's i mean that's a great uh summary of the season how it's gone really um just a couple points to point out through that little period obviously the liverpool game um that should have really been a chelsea win shouldn't it yeah without a doubt um i mean i understand I don't really understand the red card at that at that point. I don't think he intentionally tried to play the ball with his hand. But you know, when you when you slow thing down to super slow mo, you lose context of the situation. So I think it was kind of harsh. But again, we're Chelsea Football Club. Decisions are always going against us. So you can you can complain and piss and moan about them. But you just know it's going to happen. So you just have to take it in stride and move forward. And I think we, that's what we did after that. And then, uh, of course, the Man City, uh, the deflection off Jorginho, and that's the only way they could score against us. I can't remember too many chances on our end in that game. Yeah, I, re- I remember we were quite poor in terms of the upfront at that point. I think Werner was playing, and it was just not working out very well at all. No, I I think that uh, his time at Chelsea is short. I think he'll be gone in the summertime to Bayern Munich or somewhere in Germany. Let's just say that. Um, and Andrew will be winning his 250 off. Yeah, it's 250 quid. So I I just, you know, except for the City game and the West Ham game where we just looked, you know, again, it's, missing players that's that's our theme of this season is injuries and not being a cohesive unit because we're not playing together and we're playing against the two teams we're going up against are liverpool and city we've been playing with the exact same players in the exact same system for what four or five years yeah at least three so they're in a they're a cohesive unit they know how to play they know if I make this run, X person is going to be in this spot because we've only done it five million times. And so it, it makes it a whole lot easier for them to look good because they've played together. We haven't. We haven't even played together really this year as, again, the 50 lineup changes or 50 different lineups. City don't do that. I mean, they do chop, chop and change somewhat, but not to that ex- to that extent. And Liverpool don't chop and change unless there's injuries. The same teams really run out every week. You know, you might give a rest for a person here or there, but for the most part, it's the same team. Yeah. And yeah, that's great if your players can stand up to to uh, all that game time. But it makes you a, a much better unit. When you have that t- collective time together, it makes you so much more dangerous because you know what everybody's going to do. You know what you're supposed to be doing. There's no second guessing. 
you don't have to worry about if you're going to start a game or not. You're going to be out there. And uh, I think it's uh, much more conducive uh, to going on long strings without losing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is one of them things. I think we are, while we may be good enough, I think it is that kind of idea if we don't have the longevity and that may, over a 38-game period, might just be the thing that we lose out on. Um, I did th- I did think at the beginning of the season we were either going to win the Champions League or the league. Um, I do think we're more suited to them kind of cup game and cup competitions just because... Again, that long we don't we don't you don't necessarily need that longevity and where we're but more we in the cup games you need to be a bit more defensively strewed. Um that kind of suits us more than the league where you you can kind of draw, teams can kind of draw games. The, the cup teams have to come out of us at some point to get win win the game really, unless they try and shit house it on penalties. But that doesn't happen too much. So I think it is one of the things that I think we will probably go. But I wouldn't be surprised if we go on to win the Champions League again this year, but don't win the league. Which, if that happens, I'm okay with it. I, I do want to win the league at some point, but if we win a load of cups, that's okay for me because it's trophies. But um, yeah, I mean, the one thing before we kind of, a couple of things before we finish, um, what is it with these December runs? Um, every season we get to December. And whether it's one thing or another, um, December just doesn't seem to go well for us, does it, Jesters? Yeah, and I don't think it's all for the same reason every time. Of course, you can you can blame this December on COVID and injuries. Of course, you look, if we had Ben Chilwell still, even though Conte and Kovacic go down, we're still sitting top of the league if we had Ben Chilwell. Yeah, I mean, the last game he played was Juventus. And that's really the last game we really looked good was Juventus. Now, I don't... Did, did Conte or Kovacic play in that game? I think Conte made of. I don't think... I which, don't think which game? The Juventus game. The second leg. Conte played it because that's where he got injured. Okay, so he didn't play any, the entire game. So we no. lost Conte and and Chilwell, but I think that, that Chilwell's injury is so devastating because he was in such good form, and our wingbacks were playing so well, and allowing us not play three in attack but actually five in attack, and we we've we've lost that, and you pair that with the destruction of our midfield through injuries. You know, it's fine. You get Alonzo if you can put a Conte or Kovacic in that midfield to do the things he can't do, like Conte for defending or Kovacic to progress the ball, which you you can get with Chilwell, which you don't get with Alonzo, or if he does progress with the ball, it's at a snail's pace. Um, well, it's it, still faster than Barkley. Well, you, let's not even go. It's like a, <laughs> just it's like saying that. That, that stepping in, in dry dog poop is better than wet dog poop. It's still dog poop. Um, so at, at the end of the day, it's it's it's, multi, it's injuries to key position points. You know, Jor, Jorginho needs to have a Kovacic or Conte in the midfield to really work. Because Kovacic is a ball progressor and, and then can play the through balls that 
and let Jorginho just be the metronome. And Conte, when he's there, when he's when he's Conte, you know, does everything. And, uh, you know, Ruben's not a bad player, but he's not that level. He's not at Kovacic's level. He's not at Conte's level. I hope yeah. someday he'll get back to that, but I... I think it's also what I what I found as well. I think he, he I don't think he can do it every week. I think in, in the odd games in rotations, I think he's still somewhat recovering in terms of the long run doing it at the highest level. I think he started off very well, but it was when he had to play five, six, seven games in a row that again it started to drop off, uh, and it just especially when you're playing with Sal. You have to be doubly switched on because Sal is Sal. Um, but I, I think I can just see it. He just looks mentally fatigued as well. Um, so I think I've always said Ruben, I think the best role for him in the team is to be a squad rotation in and out for when we need to rest Kante, Kovacic or Tragedia. And I think that's what works with him. And I think that's where that's how, I think how he should be used. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think midfield's been disrupted wingback's been disruptive and when you do that you've lost all the connection to your defence and attack so there's not really much you can do in that respect um, and as you said we are still a new growing team, uh, it's only been 11 months of Tuchel um, so you can understand it in a way, do you think obviously there's always this, the idea of um, when a manager has his first winter break, uh, first winter season in the Premier League, it's always a bit of them getting used to it. Do you think it's a bit of a Tuchel's underestimated the winter, winter spell a little bit because he's never experienced it before? You could say that if everybody was fit and we had the same results, right? Then you can look at the manager going, well, maybe he doesn't understand how you manage through this period because it's his first time. It's not like he has a bunch of choices to make because there's nobody fit. So it's, I got to put out what's put out in the best positions I can put them in and hope it works. And still, with all of that said, in our worst stretch of games, we've only lost one. All, all the other games we've picked points up in. We only sit six points behind Man City and three points behind Liverpool. It's not like last year where we dropped out of the, you know, down to 10th or eighth or seventh, whatever it was, when Tuchel came in. Yeah. I think it was ninth. We were down there with Arsenal, dude, who was get, preparing for relegation when, when, when Frank went out. So I think because of the quality manager we have, we have not suffered like we should because of all the players that have, not, or, that have gone that have gone through injury or positive tests. So I, I actually give credit to Tuchel for still keeping us. It, it's, you know, everybody in a season has those periods of time where they just need to hang on, get through that period of time. Man City at the beginning of the year w looked awful. They, they weathered that storm and now they're in first place. Liverpool had a run where they didn't look really great. And they might have another one in January, but they're in second place. And, that, and our period is now. We're in third place. And we're in every competition still. 
we just got to the semifinals of the Carabao Cup. Or I think we're was classified as the quarterfinals in the FA Cup. We get we go there automatically, or I don't know if it's the, the quarterfinals or I I don't I don't know how it's classified because I know we 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 come in after the first two rounds. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think well both 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 rounds will be coming at the third round. Okay, so we're coming in the third round. So we're in the third round of the FA Cup. We're in the semifinals of the Carabao Cup. We're in the last 16 of the, the Champions, Champions League. League. Semifinal the, of the Club World Cup. Yeah, semifinal of the Club World Cup, and we're in the top three. And this is after the run we've had. It could be worse. Look at what we were in this position last year under Frank. What, where were we sitting this date last year under Frank? Or that under Frank in uh, in twenty? Yeah, those numbers. Uh, I actually have a look. Um, I'm trying to think because this was before this was before we kind of played the Arsenal game. So I think we were we must have been about fourth, fifth. Let me have a look. You can tell we 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 do this. We're completely prepared, guys. Always, uh, but yeah, I mean, I understand your point. Um, in terms of the new, I suppose, the maybe the pre-management up to the Christmas period, maybe you could criticise him on. But yeah, we haven't had players, and um, it could be. I think the important thing is, in terms of this gap, the gap's fine, but. We just can't lose ground by actually physically losing to Liverpool and City. Now we need to kind of make that ground up with them because, yes, it's three and it's three and six points now. But once it's once we lose to them, it starts getting to six to nine. That's when you've got a kind of worry because you've got to kind of you, you have to get nine. You have to catch up nine points, which normally means. Right, we're not going to go to the end of the season unbeaten, so that would entail you going and getting City to lose four matches, which is depends on how they navigate their bad time. But I don't think I don't think City lose four matches up to the end of the season. So let's see here. So, December twelfth, twenty twenty, we lose against Everton one nil. December. Oh 15th. God, I hate that match. 2020, oh. we lose 2-1 against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, the 21st, we did beat West Ham 3-0. 26th, we lose to Arsenal 3-1. Um, we draw to Villa on the 28th. We lose to Manchester City 3-1 on the 3rd. We do beat Fulham 1-0. And we lose Leicester 2-0 on the 19th. So I, think, so, I, think, I think we must have been just outside the top four going into Christmas. Let's see, on match day 14, we were fifth. Fifth, yeah. So, so going yeah, into I mean, Christmas, we were fifth and we're third now. How many points were we on? Oh, let's, let's see here. I can count them up real quick. Quick maths. Three, four, seven, eight, nine, eighteen. 19, 22. We're on 25 points, dude. 
Oh, that's dreadful. We had lost three games and drawn four. So that that is levels, to be fair. Um, yeah, I I think we've we we're in a much better position. I think it's just guess we need once we now we've got our play we're getting our players back. We need to get back on track and not take time to get back on track because if we take time to get back on track, well, as I said, we don't really have time because we've got Liverpool and City coming up, so we need to be fixed up by that point. Um, but I think we will. I think we'll we'll hopefully get some results out of that. Um, to kind of finish up uh, what's been a lovely pod, nearly two hours, um, but it's been nearly two hours of reveling back on such a turn, uh, such a roller coaster year of 2021. But my question to you, Jesters, is obviously 2022 is coming. What does 22 look like? 2022 look like for Chelsea, in your opinion? Well, I think immediately uh, in the transfer window in January, we need to bring in uh, a solution at left back, right, right, left wing back, right wing back, however you want to say it. Somebody needs to come in in that position. Um, looking forward, uh, I think that the race for, for the title, I hope and I believe it's going to stay really, really tight. Um, We've got the Club World Cup. I think that's a that's another trophy in the cabinet. Um, as, l- as long as we don't lose the final again. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a case there. I didn't, didn't think Tuchel. Tuchel's not about that. You know, we get there, we're gonna we're gonna win. Right. He's um, no Spanish. He's no Spanish waiter like Rafa Benitez. Yeah. Um. We've got course we've got the Carabao Cup to still compete against we have the FA Cup uh Champions League we've got Lille we should pan them um and that puts us into the to the uh, elite eight if this was college basketball uh so the quarterfinals uh where I'm guessing we're gonna draw Real Madrid I, I just, I, or I should say, I want to draw Real Madrid just because I like beating them. Yes, uh, that's true. But that's my hope. But I would even take Man United at that point and knock Cristiano Ronaldo out. I'd take PSG and knock Messi out. I, I would ask, that is the team I'd like. I, I kind of, out of the first team places, that's the kind of that. That's the team. That's what's one of the teams I want want to face because I I I I just want I want to beat PSG because we've had that PSG had the last laugh against us back back in the day with the Champions League, and I think to beat Messi to beat PSG, um, to sh- I think would show them up as well. Um, would show them how to play football. So I think that would be great. And really, even in that competition. The only two teams I'm worried about are Liverpool and Man City. Just like in domestic league, I'm not worried. For all Bayern Munich is going forward, their defense is shockingly bad. Shockingly yeah, bad. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's as good as it was when we played them before. Um, no, I, I do no. think if, if Bayern play to their best, I would say I, I panic a little bit because I, still, I, I think they, their attack is fantastic. But... 
And I know it'll be typical Chelsea. Their defence will be shockingly bad, but will still miss the chances. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, most of the time we beat ourselves. People don't beat us. The vast majority of the time when we lose a, a match, it's because of something we've done, not because of something another, the other uh, team has done. But again, so you're only worried about those two. You're only worried about those two in the domestic league. So I see at very least a couple more trophies, uh, at least maybe maybe three more trophies, and a top four race, and uh, you know, uh, more than likely another Champions League in the bag, and that'd be back-to-back Champions League. When was the last time somebody did back-to-back Champions Leagues? Uh, Real Madrid. Back yeah, in Real Madrid. 2013, 2014. Yeah. When was what the last time before? an English club did back-to-back? I don't think they've ever done it. There you go. Or at, least, at, least, at least not in the UCL format. I don't know about the old-style European Cup format, but in the UCL, no one. So that'd be quite a feather in the cap, wouldn't you think? First English team ever to go back to back. Definitely. Although I thought, I mean, I thought I think... United went back to back. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I think United went 2008. No, they beat us in 2008. And then I think 2012, they were in the Champions League. But I think they lost to Barcelona, I think. I could be okay. wrong. I, I, I could be wrong. That could just be me having a brain fart, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I think the closest to it to doing it was obviously Liverpool beat Tottenham, and that then they lost to Real Madrid uh, yeah. the season before. So I suppose that was the closest an English team has come to doing it. So it, it so. you know, I, again, it, if we win, we've got the Super Cup. If we win the Club World Cup, let's say one of the Carabao FA Cup. And the Champions League, and come and are in the race to the final days, come in second or third in the Premier League, on more points than we've got the last few years. It's a hell of a season. Yeah, I mean, I I always look at uh, the 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 season. It trophies is what I look at. Trophies is my success. I I look at see how many trophies did we win in that season. I what leagues one of them things. I, I don't like I don't like the whole fighting to the top four, fighting for top three. So that uh, while while I, I, it's nice to be higher in the league and be better than you was last season in the league, um, I don't really take that as a successful kind of thing. It's just a nice improvement. Um, but yeah, the trophies is the thing I'm looking at. We've got one, and for me, at, to, to sum up my my 2022 will look like. It's a lot of it's a lot of gold. It's a lot of gold trophies, some silverware um, in the cabinet. I think we might need to get a new cabinet. We might have to go to a White Hart Lane and borrow their cabinet because they don't need it ever. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I think we I think we would go on to win the Carabao Cup because I think it will be Chelsea. It probably will be Chelsea Liverpool because I'm not giving Arsenal a Scooby Doo in that uh, semi final against against Liverpool uh, over two legs. So I think it'll be a good match. I think we'll we'll come out on top. Um, I think we will win the Club World Cup, uh, hopefully without any disasters. Uh, so that makes three trophies. 
I actually funny enough do think we might win the FA I, I just have we can't lose three FA Cup finals in a row so if we get to the final I think we'll win it if we come up against a big team early I don't I think we might go out earlier but if we get to the final I can't see us losing it and yeah I, I see us should we maybe avoid the other English clubs I think we we could we could do the Champions League as well and I think I'd like. I'd rather face Liverpool in the Champions League because I still think City will have that hunger for the Champions League because it's something they haven't won, um, and I think they'll want revenge from last season. So I'd rather face Liverpool out of City if I was to choose between the two because I also think we're we are suited towards Liverpool as well because um, of their, their they like to press and it, some of our players are very suited to the high line that they play, but. Um, yeah, I think we we I, I, if I'm, I'm going to make a prediction, I think we win the Champions League, we win the Carabao Cup, we win the uh, we win the Club World Cup, and I'm going to say we get knocked out of the quarterfinal of the FA Cup and title race. I think we I think we'll drop out it about April time. I think we'll be there or thereabouts till then, um, but I think we'll maybe drop off. As we get into the later, as we get into that, the Champions League semi-final area, I think we might drop a point or two in between, um, and then that will kind of give City and Liverpool the impetus to go on and fight for it. Um, so I think we'll come third. But if we if we win in trophies, if we win four trophies in a season, I don't mind coming third because the league we can we can win the league next season. I mean, four trophies is amazing. So I'll take that. Um, but yeah, that hopefully that will happen because. That'll be a very positive 2022, and when we do this this time next year, uh, we'll be hopefully talking about lots of lots of more success. Um, but we'd like to thank all of you guys for listening. Uh, it's, it has been an hour and 54 minutes, so uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. It's a little bit different, first time us kind of doing this format, so I hope it was good to you, good for you guys. Sorry, I, I knew I'd mess up uh, some point the season, uh, so I f- completely forgot we do a Champions League semi-final. I'll note that for next year. But um, Jesters, thank you for coming on for this wonderful pod and back-to-back pods for us recorded. All right, well, thank you again for having me. Uh, hope you and yours have a, a Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. Uh, if you don't, whatever you celebrate, I hope you ha- your, you and your family have a, a great one and everybody stays safe and, and healthy. Yeah, so obviously but you guys will probably be listening to this after Christmas because I think this will come out after Christmas. But hopefully uh, you all have a lovely New Year's Eve uh, wherever you are uh, with whatever restrictions you have because hopefully you can actually celebrate it. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I can actually go out for it because I've already booked tickets somewhere and I'm hoping the British government don't fuck me up uh, and mess up.